Welcome, everyone, to our first official Dear Daisy Stories. That was a lot. That was great. People are going to love it. You probably just scared some subscribers away with that. But to the rest of you who are here, thank you very much for (laughs) tuning in. And we are glad that you stayed after that. So essentially, this is our version of listener tells, hometown stories, um, all of these things that a bunch of murder podcasts do, which is you guys get to be a part of the show by writing in and telling your stories. I want to hear them. Everyone wants to hear them. And guess what? Garrett so does Daisy. does not want to hear them, but he is here <laughs> and he will hear them. Also, we are doing this for the bonus episode for the month of April. We're trying something new. We're probably going to go back to the regular episodes or the regular two bonus true crime episodes. And then we might throw this in as just a regular episode from Murder with My Husband. Or Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we're figuring it out. But for this month, we're doing it as a bonus episode. So only you guys are hearing it. We're still trying to figure out what we want to do with these and here we are also if you want to give us some feedback feel free to just shoot us an email or message us on instagram or something what your thoughts are or on patreon if you're listening on apple subscriptions please don't leave a bad review with feedback because that does not help us <laughs> good point so send us an email or a message or anything um we're happy to hear feedback on something a little new And yes, we are calling them Dear Daisy Stories um, because you're writing them to Daisy, essentially, because she is obsessed and wants to hear all of the stories. So let's hop into it. So our first one is from Mike, and it's titled A True Crime Story. He says, I grew up in Southern California until joining the Army in April 1996 and ventured the world. The town I lived in was Moreno Valley, and with any town, there is always a bad part of town. Now, during my middle school years, my family fell under hard times and moved into a small two-bedroom apartment in a rundown area of town, but got in because my aunt was the manager of the building and lived there. After school, all I had to do was go to the other side of the apartments and pick up my cousin, who was just a year older than I, and we would play endless hours of basketball and football with other friends on the street. One such friend was Pedro Romero. Quickly, we became friends over our love of collecting baseball and football cards and comics and our love for anything sports related. For almost three years, we played outside almost every single day. At some point, we were seeing less and less of Pedro. My aunt, who was close to his mom, explained that he and his stepfather did not get along. They had great moments collecting cards together, but Pedro refused to treat or respect him as his father. And as with any rebelling child, they butted heads daily. Eventually, Pedro started hanging out with a different group and got a girlfriend. We would rarely see him, and when we did, all the playful memories would come back, and we would hang out for endless hours. At some point, my family finally became financially able to move back across town to a nice three-bedroom house, and all those playing days stopped. My mom and aunt were very close and talked on the phone numerous times a day, and she always had the latest gossip and spun it in a way that would make your stomach hurt with laughter. One day, my mom got a call, and it forever changed our lives. My aunt first called to say that Pedro's mom was looking for him and was hearing from others about something bad happening to him. Little did we know that was just the start of a nightmare. Here's what happened. Pedro and his friend were spending the day at my middle school after hours playing basketball. At some point, someone approached them and Pedro knew who he was, a boy named Joseph Miller. Pedro got into a fight with him a couple years prior and stole money from him. Do you know how old they are roughly? Uh, he said middle school. Because so. it sounded like elementary school, but now 
owing money in a fight it sounds like high school or well college. i think they started hanging out in elementary okay. school and it's now it's now a little bit older. older okay okay they had fought over only 24 dollars though so that does seem a little bit middle school to me yeah yeah that makes sense joseph was apparently nice and wanted to bury the hatchet and play some basketball so the three of them played until the sun started going down except if you don't pay me 24 dollars i'm fighting you over it at some point joseph asked pedro and his friend if they wanted to go get some pizza his treat and that he had a car so he'll drive. Pedro and his friend agreed and off they went. I'm going to assume Pedro's a little okay, older. So yeah, we're like in high school this area now. At some point, Joseph stopped at an ATM to draw out some money, which was literally pivotal to the story. He got back in the car and they started driving. At this point, the sun had fully set and it was nighttime. Before they knew it, Joseph was driving out to the badlands of Moreno Valley, a very unincorporated eastern part of town that was just dirt and minor hills and trails for off-road vehicles. Pedro began to question why they were heading out that way, and Joseph stayed eerily quiet and didn't respond or answer the question. Pedro raised his voice in anger and kept asking him to pull over, to let them out. Abruptly, Miller stopped the car and pulled out a handgun oh and pointed gosh. it at Pedro. What? Pedro turned to get out and was shot in the back and fell face down onto the dirt, writhing in pain. Miller then jumped over the passenger seat and loomed over Pedro, put the gun to the back of his head, and fired, killing him instantly. Pedro's friend immediately got out of the two-door car through the driver's side and took off running. Miller began shooting him, hitting him in the side of his head and the back and one of his leg. Oh my gosh, this is insane. He managed to keep running through hills and dirt trails and heard Miller's car doors close and the engine rev. At some point, he hid behind a couple hills and heard the car come close and the car door open. He held his mouth and controlled his breathing long enough to hear footsteps in the dirt getting closer to him. Then the footsteps turned and walked away and the car screeched off. Keep in mind, he's shot up at this point. Like yeah, he, he's, uh -huh. he then took off running again, bleeding heavily and in tremendous amounts of pain until he saw a neighborhood with porch lights and began banging on a door. He collapsed as the homeowner answered the door and called 911. Police arrived and going in and out of consciousness, he was able to tell the cops of the general location and upon searching, they found Pedro's body. Police arrived at Pedro's mom's house and informed her of his death. Later that night, my aunt called my mom, who then pulled my sister and I into a kitchen and told us what happened. We were in utter shock. I remember crying, being angry, and just questioning everything. Pedro's mom then started to tell my aunt about Pedro's cologne being smelled in certain parts of the house. He hadn't lived there in almost a year. His former room was turned into a workroom and storage room. The bedroom door would open and close on its own. Pedro's mom began having vivid dreams of him talking to her and mumbling his words, but all she could make out was that he would leave once his killer is caught. After numerous surgeries, Pedro's friend was able to give more details than ever, including a full description of the old car Miller was driving and the revolver he used. He also described the ATM location they went, and sure enough, the time and date was crucial to the video cam of Miller withdrawing money. They tracked down his address, and sitting in the driveway was the old car Pedro's friend described. They went in and arrested him, and later recovered the gun used. Once he was caught, Pedro's former bedroom door stopped opening and closing on its own, and there was no longer a cologne wow. smell in his mom's house. His mom had one final dream of him waving and walking away from her. Now, this is where it gets crazy. The gun was tested, and it matched another murder, which started another investigation. What? Turns out a radio DJ befriended Miller, offered him 20K to murder his wife, who was divorcing him at the time. He paid Miller 10K up front and provided the revolver. He killed the DJ's wife and with the same gun killed Pedro and attempted to kill his friend. 
So the gun literally... That's nuts. Yes. It dominated the local news and newspapers. As Pedro's funeral approached, I didn't go. I just couldn't fathom saying goodbye to him, and I just wanted to hang on to the great memories we had. It was the first time a close friend died in my life and was the most impactful. To this day, I still think about him and our times together. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. I previously shared in the Instagram DMs a while back, but couldn't find the info until recently. Anywho, I love the podcast and video, and I always look forward to new episodes each week. Oh, that's crazy. That's sad. Yeah, that's I haven't had, I mean, fortunate and lucky enough to be in a situation where I've never had a, like a friend me either. go through that. But that's crazy. Also crazy, that dude was a bad guy. He was murdering people's he was a, wives. He was a hitman. Yeah, he was a hitman. And over $24. Yeah, come on, man. All right, our next story says is from Aubrey, and it's titled "My Mom Was Followed by Ted Bundy." I want to know if he got if he's in jail for life or what ended up happening. I'm sure Mike will tell you. Mike, is he in jail? <laughs> if you're listening to this, I want to know is he in jail for life? Where is he? Yeah, I hope he's in jail. What happened? Include yeah. that next time. Yeah, let me know. All right, the next one is from Aubrey, and it's titled "My Mom Was Followed by Ted Bundy." Hi, Daisy, and murder with my husband. Ted Bundy. What is up with that? My mom was followed once by Ted Bundy. Here's the story. My mom was living in Furcrest, Washington, which is located by Tacoma. This is the area that Ted Bundy was growing up in. His parents lived down the street from my mom and grandparents. He was about 11 years older than my mom, but my mom did go to the same high school as him, which was Wilson High School. Side note, my mom said it was rumored that the school didn't use the locker that Ted Bundy had used in previous years. I can't fact check that, but if it's true, that's crazy. One day, my mom was driving home when she noticed someone taking all of the turns she was. Furcrest is a small town full of side roads, so it's easy to pick up if someone is behind you. She noticed it was a slug bug Volkswagen and it looked to be a good looking man in his 20s. However, she had a really eerie feeling take over her. During this time, girls were warned about a good-looking man seeking women who were tall, tan, with long, dark hair. This description fit my mom to a T. So using her intelligence, she made her way to the main road through Furcrest. As she made a few turns to get there, she noticed the man still following her. She decided to pull into the Furcrest police station, and as she did, she said she never saw someone drive away so fast as she saw the man in the bug. She knew that she was being followed by the man who was later known as Ted Bundy. She could feel with every ounce of her being that she dodged a life or death situation wow. simply by listening to her gut. My mom passed away last year and it's been really hard on me. This is one of the stories she's told me that's always stuck with me. It really shows that if you feel like you're ever being followed, get to a main road and try to find a police station or something similar. Thank you for reading and thank you for being the best podcast and having the cutest dog ever. Sincerely, <laughs> Aubrey Scott. Could you imagine being followed by a famous serial killer? I think it would. Not knowing it. I Well, first of all, Aubrey, I'm, um, I hope that you can still feel your mom and I'm so sorry about that. But second, I think it would be weird to be followed and like, when you feel when you realize something bad is happening, you start to pay attention to every single detail. So oh, for sure. So clearly she starts looking at the car, mm -hmm. the color, the make. She probably looked right into his eyes. She looked at his face. And then later, Ted Bundy gets caught and she's like, Oh my gosh, that's the guy that's the who guy, followed yeah. me. 
Imagine that eerie of a feeling and being like, wow, I'm so glad I trusted my gut. Our next one is from Gabby and it's titled, Someone I Knew Became a Murderer. Hi, Peyton and Garrett. As soon as you mentioned wanting true crime stories from your listeners, one name came to mind, Ryan Coles. I am from a small town in Southern New Jersey. We are located very close by to some major cities, Philly, New York, and Atlantic City. But the usual crime that occurs near us is break-ins and drug deals, not murder. So when someone I knew became a murderer, I was never able to let it go from my mind. I have major chills and the goosebumps just typing this. Ryan Coles was best friends with my cousin. Wow. They were both a few years older than me, but they would always come to hang out at my house. Growing up, my house was a party house. It was right on a lake. Everyone would come over to fish, kayak, boat, and tube. My dad remodeled our basement into a wood cabin style. It had a huge TV, bar, gym, pool table, drum set. You name it, we had it. We had a fire pit and grill. I could go on and on, but to say the least, my home was the ultimate gathering place. (laughs) All of my friends would come over, my parents, friends, and my family. We had an open door policy. Everyone was welcome. It was not unusual for my cousins to just show up almost every weekend with their own friends. Now, Ryan and my cousin were a few years older than me. Both enjoyed hanging out in my basement and on the lake. I never really had alone time with them as everyone always just hung out together. Ryan always spooked me a little. My cousin brought many friends over, but his friend Ryan was quieter and more reserved than any of his other friends. You know, it is weird how they're... I feel like when this happens, there's just people where you're just like, something's off. Right. And I'm not saying they always end up being murderers or something crazy, but there is. There is just something off. The energy there is just not Not, it. Right. The eyes. It's the eyes. It's like dead eyes. Yes. Like everything is just a little bit not there. And it's so sad to say, but it's one of the, it's the typical stereotype where you're like, if I saw them on the news, I wouldn't be that surprised. Correct. And like trigger warning sore subject i'm sure it's the same with school shootings oh yeah like i'm sure everyone's like yeah they were a little off i felt i mean you always hear that they were a little off i felt uncomfortable something was not right right it's crazy right she says don't get me wrong he's very nice and polite but just was a little different my parents always taught me to be cautious of others but always kind because you never know the battle someone is fighting in their mind I knew from a young age that Ryan had a rough background. He'd had some troubles at home. His older brother was mentally ill and was in a certain home that could care for his needs. It was known that Ryan had issues with his parents and just did not seem to like being at home. Ryan's family owned a well-known musical instrument store, Cole's Music. My whole family was into music. My dad was in a band. My cousin played the drums. I played the piano and flute. We had rented and bought many instruments from their store. In the summer of 2016, I had just graduated high school and was getting ready to head to my dream school, Rutgers, and my mom hit me with major news. Ryan killed his parents. I remember looking at her confused, not comprehending what she was saying. She looked right back at me and said, yes, you heard me. He killed his parents. My aunt and cousin had called her and told her the devastating news. I was still confused. How could someone who seemed so mild, quiet, and gentle kill his own parents? I immediately took to the internet and started digging. Not only did he kill his parents, he beat them to death. Oh, you're kidding. He beat his own father and mother to death. I couldn't understand how someone could do something like this so evil and heinous. Not only was Ryan close with my cousin, but my aunt too. My aunt visited him in prison many times over the years, up until she passed away just a few weeks ago. Why did he do it? Since then, I heard so many different stories and variations of Ryan just snapping. 
There were texts involved, a text about cleaning something, I think the dishes, and a physical altercation. Then he just snapped. He was tired of being told what to do and felt too much pressure. Ryan then proceeded in his home like nothing happened. He just covered up his dead parents. They were not found until the next morning when Ryan's grandfather came over. Ryan pled self-defense, but was ultimately sentenced to a judge to 80 years in prison. Wow. FYI, I listen to you guys religiously every single week. It's what gets me out of bed on Mondays. I have been listening since your first episode in 2020-ish. I know it was something during COVID. I have a BA in criminal justice, political science, and legal studies. I'm currently working full-time at a law firm and in law school pursuing my dreams of helping juveniles and disadvantaged youth. Oh, that's awesome. I absolutely love your show and cannot wait to see where you guys will be in a few years. I constantly find myself talking about your episodes to others, especially in my classes. I'm so happy to see how far you guys have come. Having a true crime podcast has been a lifelong dream of mine, and listening to your podcast only inspires me more. Also, Garrett, we have the same birthday, May 26th. Hey, shout out. If you read this far, thank you. He killed his parents. And she knew him. Not even like a murder that's like, okay, they're all bad, but killing your parents. Beating your parents. That's insane. It's exactly like that one episode we did. Right. Well, and it's, we've seen it multiple times you know, now. It's sad. It's sad when it gets to a point where like I can reference other episodes. Because like, that's how many evil people there are out there. Right. Like, oh, this is just like the other episode we did where he killed his parents too with yeah. the hammer. Yeah. Oh and then just gosh. went about life like and nothing exactly, had happened. Same exact thing. Same went thing. about life like nothing. What happened. is that? And we'll end it off of a story that Garrett has. Go ahead. The other day we were in Target with Peyton's mom and we were walking out. And as we were walking out, so did a guy as well that had kind of been following us. Not really following us. He just also walked out with nothing and we walked out with nothing. I understand that I'm judging him because he walked out with nothing. <laughs> but and so did we. But, but so they did didn't we. have what we went for. But it's different. They didn't have what we went for. I know they had what he went for. Yeah, because he was... I had noticed him in the aisles beforehand. And I know we just had this happen at CVS, so we seem crazy. Mm -hmm. But I had noticed him beforehand. No. And he was, like, holding stuff. He had picked... He was staring at us, but... Picking stuff out off of the shelf and putting it in his hands. And I thought that was weird. I was like, why isn't he looking at what he's picking up? And then he had stuff in his hands. But then he followed us out of the store with nothing, which means, which means he put it back and walked out with us. So he followed us out. I don't know. We both had nothing. We went to the car and Peyton goes, Peyton tells me all of it. And I was like, what? I, I had no idea. I was oblivious to the situation. I don't know what was going on. I was in my own. I was in Garrett world. <laughs> Anyways, so she, I was like, well, where is he? What car? Well, it wasn't even that. He walked down the same aisle as us, but his car was in a different aisle. And he That's cut true, and too. went to the other aisle as soon as we got to our Which, car. It's hard because, I mean. No, keep going. Was he going to do something to both of you? Like when I'm right there and I'm like buff and strong. Like, I don't know about that. <laughs> but anyways, he went to the car and I was like, babe, where's his car? At? I'm driving by his car. She's like, no, I'm like, I'm where is he? So Peyton shows me Well, where no, because you skipped so many parts. What did I skip? We got in the car and he didn't pull out. We sat in the oh, car because my dad was still in the store buying yes. the thing he went for. So we had to wait like 10 minutes in the car and he sat in his car looking at us in his car and didn't pull out either. So then I drove right next to him and he just stared at us. Just stared. So then I drove by again and he just stared at us. I should have got out and said something. No, but no, I don't know that's if he, dangerous. I don't know if he was armed. I wasn't armed. I don't know what was going on. I thought on. you had your big buff muscles. Yeah, those aren't bulletproof, by the way. 
So we didn't say anything. I just, I don't know. It was weird. No, then we pulled out. My dad came and got in the car. And we drove by again, and he was still there. But he left as soon as, we, like, when we were pulling out of the parking lot, he, he finally, finally left. turned his car on and left. <sighs> Long story short. With nothing. He didn't get nothing. Target and CVS have been dangerous these days. They Honestly, have. No, it's just, you just, here is my philosophy now. Please, if you are going somewhere alone, park in front. Don't park in the back. Um, or go with somebody else. Like, I just feel like. And better to be safe than sorry. And I know I sound like just a worry wart, but. No, because pay attention be to your. Days. You hear the, the, the cases we cover. No one ever thinks it's going to happen to them. I know. Pay attention to your surroundings. And it's okay if you have to be a little closed off as a person. Oh, yeah. And a, a little jumpy to conclusions. If to be safe. Conclusions? Jumpy to conclusions. So. If anyone ever sees us in public and they feel like they're being followed, let us know. We're happy to help. If like if someone ran came up to me and was like, I don't feel comfortable, I'd be like, okay, how can I help? Yeah. What can I do? What can I do? Unless you're a male, then get away. But you have to <laughs> you're gonna have to be a female. Anyways, that's our true crime story or my true crime story for this episode. And we will be back with some more Dear Daisies. They, these were fun. These Dear Daisies were fun. They I were really fun. like I love hearing like, I love hearing, oh, I think that they didn't use Ted Bundy's locker again because it's yeah, haunted or whatever. Like, I love those little like details, little details yeah. of a Dear Daisy story. Yeah. Okay, you guys, we'll see you next time. I love it. I hate it. Goodbye. <laughs>